We're ready to burn. It's the Ashes series preview and first test preview on cricket, only better. Somebody dose us down. We're sizzling for the Ashes series. It's cricket only better. 116, a bumper special on the big one. Welcome. I'm Ed Hawkins. Sam Collins is here to guide us through. Glad to hear it's sizzling down there in Seven Oaks, Ed Hawkins. Um, presumably you're in your paddling pool again, splashing around. The good news is I'm very much in my comfort zone when it comes to England-Australia clashes. Should I say Australia-England? This is in Australia, of course. Same for you, Paul Krishnamurti of betting.betfair, presumably. I say, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'd say that some of my favourite and most productive cricket series have been Australia home series, including particularly against England. I like that time of night to start work. Lovely stuff. Um, Sportinglife.com's Richard Mann also has his red and white face paint on. He's got the thermometer, thermo up to 26. He's already sweating, slurping and swearing like a balmy army veteran. Richard Mann, how are you? Hi, Sam. You've actually just missed my rendition of the national anthem, but I'll, I'll tweet you to that later. Oh, Richard, that sounds like a promise. Um, what a show we've got. This is the pod that's going to tell you exactly what will happen in this upcoming Ashes series. We'll be producing a pod for every single test. Ed Hawkins, please tell us what is on episode 116. Yeah, we're deciphering the series for you and asking the big questions. And one of those by Tasneem Samarkhan, who returns to tell us whether England have picked the right bowling group or not. Hot debate. Hot debate. I might even have a uh, an opinion on that. Who knows? Uh, we've got series markets for you too. Listener questions. The first Ashes Test preview from Brisbane. And don't forget, of course, our best bets. Welcome to part one. We're going to set the scene right here for you, starting with some housekeeping from Hawkins and then taking a look at these two sides in depth. We'll start off with some series outright prizes from the Betfair Exchange. Australia are 1.34, England a massive 5.6. The draw is 9.4. Ed Hawkins, is this as straightforward as those odds suggest? I'm not sure it is. There's a lot of unknowns going on in this series. Let's talk about the bubble that England will find themselves in, I think that helps keeping them away from the fair dinkums because if you've been in Australia when there's an Ashes series on and England are getting pasting, they are a nightmare. They wear you down, whether you're an England fan or not. The weather is poor. We've got a weather event, a rare weather event, the La Nina weather event, which is causing plenty of rain and could cause washouts. We don't know whether the fifth test is going to be going on because of quarantine rules in Perth. And we also actually have two poor teams. Australia got beat by India last series at home. And I think England have won six, lost six of their last nine tests. Yeah, I have to say, I don't get the uh, don't get this for, as a foregone conclusion like everybody else. Personally, having seen England win in Australia, I think some of the ingredients are there for them to do it again. Um, coming straight back at you, Ed Hawkins, with a listener question. Caden Stinson asks... How do the East Coast pitches play in wet years like this one? What a, what a question. I absolutely loved this. So um, I didn't do things by halves, basically. So I looked at all the Ladnina events when they occurred, 2010, 11, 08, 09, 07, 08, 2001, 1998. Then I looked at average scores previous to those years 
and tallied them with those school average scores in those La Nina events. And basically what I found was absolutely nothing. Um, and also 2010, 2011, a La Nina event, there was only one draw in nine tests. So Okay, all up in the air then, literally. Paul Krishnamurti, is this sage advice here, a wait-and-see approach? No need to start smashing into the market like an England fan at the Euro 2020 final right this instant, presumably. <laughs> Well, that's always sage advice in cricket and especially in test cricket. You know, the biggest mistake you can make is steaming in early and then finding out the pitch is playing completely different to what you expected or losing a critical toss. Um, I mean, I think we're going to have quite a, some contrary views in this for a change. I do have some quite strong views about this, but that weather forecast has made me hold back, put it that way. Okay, I cannot wait to hear more, Bill Krishnamurti. Housekeeping now, Ed Hawkins. Um, Australia have named their 11. Please fill us in. Yeah, no idea why Australia would name their 11 so early, but it is Warner, Harris, Labashane, Smith, Travis Head gets the nod ahead of Usman Kawaja. Then we've got Cameron Green, Alex Carey, Pat Cummins, Mitchell Stark, Josh Hazelwood and Nathan Lyon. Richard Mann, it says here that you're brilliant at dissecting the balance of teams. How are they shaping up? What's your take on this? Well, I, th I think first 11, I think Australia were the stronger side. I think their bowling attack for these conditions, big lads bowl quicker than our boys. Um, that's ideal for these conditions. And I think the batting is proven quality. Smith, Labashen and, and Warner, whereas we're probably relying on Root and Stokes to a lesser extent. I think with the batting, we have probably more potential. I think Butler and either Bairstow and Pope, I think you'd fancy if they came good, they'd be more destructive than Marcus Harris and Travis Head. But I think proven quality, Australia have it in the batting. England's hope is fast bowling depth, though, because in 2019, Australia had all the aces. Hazelwood, Stark, they didn't even play all the games. They had Siddle and the excellent James Pattinson. And it was England who were struggling. Wood was injured, Anderson was injured, and Archer was running to the ground. But this time around, Australia were shorn of depth in the fast bowling department. Michael Nisa, we clearly don't rate him. He's still, a, he's still awaiting his test debut. He's in the squad. He's back up along with Jai Richardson, unproven. But England, they look like on Wednesday at the Gabba, they're going to be able to bench Broad and and, and Matt, uh, Broad and Chris Wokes, sorry, two proven test match performers, and they'll be able to slide in at Adelaide, give the other guys a break. Now, if England start well, and I know it's a cliche, that's when fast bowling depth could really get stretched for Australia because they might have to start swapping and changing. If it's 2-0 by the time we get to the Boxing Day test, it won't matter, will it? It'll be series over anyway. England must start well, and then I think they can keep bringing in fresh legs and Australia might get stretched. OK, England then, Ed Hawkins. Um, the rumours coming out of the, the camp, it just seems like a complete mess. I know uh, Richard Mann um, thinks they're going to play Jack Leach, um, James Anderson, Stuart Broad and, and Mark Wood, leaving, leaving out Ollie Robinson. Um, what do you make of the whole thing? There's obviously question marks around the batting as well. It seems like chaos. Yeah, England needs to start well, as Richard says, but they need to also select well. And it really worries me that they're talking about leaving out Robinson. And I think they're purely doing that because they've got it into their heads that Broad has Warner on toast. Now, if you're just picking one bowler because you can get one guy out, I think that's a dangerous route to go down. I'm also more concerned about Bairstow coming in for Pope and then Hasib Hamid getting chucked out for Zach Crawley on the back of absolutely nothing. So you could have a situation where England are having to tear things up 
after the first test and that gives Australia such confidence and they hardly need a second invitation for that. Okay. Um, Paul Krishnamurti, I know Richard Mann has strong views on this as well, but can you give us your thoughts? I just think we've, so many times we've built these Ashes series up and we've built up England's hopes and then their optimism just crashes down in the first session or two. And I mean, Rich made some very good points there. And, you know, you have got me thinking a bit about my assumptions, but I am very pro-Australia here. I just don't rate England very highly as a test side. And, you know, going back to last summer, I was dead against England all summer, against New Zealand and India. And their record away from home is poor, especially in Australia. Nine of the last 10 away we've lost there all by substantial margins. The Ashes over here in our ideal conditions was only 2-2 and that needed the miraculous heading the win. I don't think this is a particularly special Australia side by any stretch of the imagination. They are beatable and I think Rich made a very good point about the bowling depth. That is our chance. But I don't think we're going to make that many runs. We, we don't generally. Um, I think it's a full lost six of our last nine tests. That's just not the way you go into an Ashes series away from home. Um, and really, uh, you know, we mentioned but the critical thing that always seems to affect us here is the spinner. Jack Leach isn't in the same class as Nathan Lyon, and I think Nathan Lyon will win their matches in the second innings. Lovely stuff. And finally, a question from Leon Sachs on Twitter, who asked, how do England take 20 wickets? Um, I'll say now what I said to him on Twitter, which is in turn 11, um, it wasn't about extreme pace. It was about bowling dry, seizing the opportunities when you do take a wicket, taking wickets in clusters, bounce, lateral movement. Personally, I think um, a lot is down to whether Ollie Robinson can replicate the, the impact of Chris Tremlett back then whether Jack Leach can hold an end down in the first innings in the way that Graham Swan did, um, and, and whether England can actually just have a cohesive plan. I'm not sure with Anderson and Broad in the team, they, they'll have that, but let's see. Um, right, anyway, um, Tasneem Summer-Khan's probably got something else to add to that as well. We're going to come to her next. She's going to tell us exactly what sort of bowling attack you need to succeed down under. We're a couple of sleeps away from losing sleep over the ashes, and England's bowling prowess has been subject of much debate being critiqued as being a bit too English for down under. Conditions around the world are generally overstated or overgeneralized. Pitches aren't static, they're constantly evolving, and there's no one monolithic Australian condition. So the ashes kick off at the Gabba where the ball tends to swing more due to Brisbane's atmospheric conditions. And so any attack with some combination of Wokes, Anderson and Broad is well-placed. The second test is a day-nighter at the Adelaide Oval, which tends to be a flatter pitch, but turn later in play. The presence of world-leading spinners is probably what England will miss here and in general over the ashes tour. The test at the MCG is a drop in, which is pretty docile, and the Sydney pitch tends to turn more earlier in the day. And while the fifth test remains unconfirmed, it's likely to be a pink ball fair at the MCG. So if we think about the tests that have been played in Australia since the last Ashes in this time, New Zealand, Pakistan and Sri Lanka have toured. Between them, they've played seven games and not one of them have even forced a draw. Australia have a 100% win record. India, however, have played eight, one, four, drawn two and reduced Australia's win percentage to a mere 25%. As a bowling attack, they've been monumental. Um, in their last tour, they lost a number of key players, losing five bowlers and having to rejig their bowling attack throughout the tour. So what that indicates is key components probably matter more than individual superstars. 
In Australia, paces, key Bumrah Swaraj and Shami have been indicators of that, but the balance of spinners is vital. Mark Wood's importance cannot be overstated here, but there is the concern that overbowling him without a partner might happen. Don Bess and Jack Leach will be critical too. If they have good tours, then England will stand good chances. The power of pace reduces with day-nighters. So with two of the tests being pink balls, those 130 to 139 KPH bowlers become far more critical. Anderson in particular, his chances certainly improve. Both James Anderson and Ollie Robinson have had monumental 2021 records being placed only after Shaheen Shah and Hassan Ali in the top wicket takers with 32 and 28 respectively. Ollie Robinson's average has been impressive at 19.62 and he's had a lot of success for the Lions, particularly in Australia in 2019. Right, part two, um, let's sort out some series markets for you. And we'll do that by asking one simple question of each of you. What's going to happen? Ed Hawkins, you're up first. I think there's plenty of unknowns. As I said, uh, I think Australia at 1.34 uh, is obviously too short to win the series. But having had a look at the markets, I just wonder whether one of the better bets, because it keeps so much on side with so many unknowns, is England on the handicap with a one and a half test head start at 2.1. There you go. Okay, Richard Mann. I had summed up brilliantly at the top of the show. So many unknowns. I think at the prices, and look, this is a betting podcast, I think England are probably still marginally too big. I think it could be a competitive series. There's a potential for that. And I think looking at the series, correct score markets, even if you go with Australia 2-1, 3-2, whichever way you're going to go, I'd, I'd go down that and I'd, I'd back a couple. Okay, Paul Krishnamurti. I think we're going to have contrary views. I'm going the opposite way to Ed on that handicap. I think 8 to 11 about Australia to win by two or more tests is a bet. And for a correct score, I'd have an opening trade on 4 0, about 7.4. Okay, easy. Um, right, some series correct score prices then. Bet for exchange, obviously. A few to pick out that stood out immediately. First up, 2 2 1 Australia is at 13 to 1. 3-1 Australia is at 5.6. Shortest England win at a correct score is 18s on a 3-2 win. Edward Hawkins. Yeah, in my series preview, unknowns again whether Perth test, of course, which we uh, haven't really touched on in depth, is in doubt. I mean, I've gone uh, with a 1-1 draw at 46 and a 2-2 draw at 9.6. And I told Paul that before we came on air and he was distinctly <laughs> unimpressed, I suspect. <laughs> Okay. Um, Paul Krishnamurti, um, I know you're not keen on England, obviously, but if you were to be keen on England, is the thing here then just to back them to win the series? Yeah, I guess so. Uh, like I said, that's not my, my view, but probably lay the 1.35 on the exchange or indeed, as Ed said, back the handicap, go the other way to what I've gone. Thank you. Richard Mann, anything you fancy here? Yeah, I mean, I've touched upon it already. I think 2-2... Two, two potentially a player and, and look I think if you think England are going to be competitive but Australia too strong maybe two on Australia Okay going straight to a reader question now reminds me very much of our early shows Ed Hawkins and your education about value and over reputation as we look at series markets Vinnie Rodham asks is Joe Root value to win top England series bat for the record sportsbook going 8 to 11 on that one, which is incredibly short, clearly. Um, Richard Mann. In a word, no. 
lucky he averages 38 in Australia and I've no doubt he's a better player now than four years ago and, and the time before that. But do you want to be backing a guy at odds on who averages 38 in that specific country? I, I wouldn't. The thing with Root, look, brilliant technique, brilliant technique for England, plays the ball really late under his eyes. Very profitable areas, backward point and third man. He'll ride that swing and he'll just he'll drop his hands, soft hands, and he'll ease it down to third man. But in Australia, where you get, if you get it wrong, the Knicks carry, that's when he's got into trouble before. Australia fancy you getting him caught out behind the wicket that way. And if he, he plays that way, right, rides the ball down to third man. It's all well and good in England, but it is more dangerous in Australia. Um I suppose the the flip side of that is look, he made five fifties, I think, last time, and it was his conversion that that let him down. He's better at that now. I think he, one of the main reasons he's a lot fitter. So look, I expect him to score runs and possibly big runs at time, but he's very short. You've got Dawid Milan beating four years ago, and he's he's bordering on ten to one for top England series bat or or further down the list, even, you know, someone like Butler or Pope or Best or a massive price. He's just too short for me in these conditions. Okay, let's get some doubles, trebles and ackers going then. Some picks and prices from you each, please, on top series, bats and bowlers. Paul Krishnamurti, starting with you. I would go Joe Root, top series run scorer. I mean, I, I do think he will top score for England, but 8-11 to 11 is no value. But 7-2 is a much better bet for top series run scorer because I think we will uh, bat a lot more innings. You know, judging what's happened in Australia in the past, there's going to be probably a lot of one-sided games certainly fits my general prediction. So he's going to play a lot more than the other obvious candidates for that, Labashain and Smith. So 7-2 for him. And the top series bowler, um, Josh Hazelwood, 9-2. Couldn't be keener on Josh Hazelwood generally. I think he's just at his peak at the moment. Okay, thanks, Paul. Edward Hawkins. Well, I've got a consensus there. Josh Hazelwood, uh, I've got him penned in as top series bowler and you could do worse than put him in a double with Marnus Labuschagne, top Australia batsman. I think Labuschagne is Steve Smith Mark II, possibly even more annoying, which which <laughs> is something, but his RPI record is just absolutely ridiculous. He is a, he's a run machine. Run machine, says Edward Hawkins. Um, Richard Mann, finally, last but not least. Well, I concur about Labuschagne. I'm eight. For me, he's, he's the better of the old Ashes at the moment. He's outscored Steve Smith, I think, in every series since the last Ashes. Uh, most most runs in the ICC Test Championship. He, as Ed says, is a machine. I would double him with Cummins. That I p- prefer Cummins for all. I think Hazelwood's an outstanding bowler. Um, but look, if, if we if we if we can't get a consensus on that, look at England. I think if we got the nod that Ollie Robinson was going to start in Brisbane, I think he's big value in the England top series bowler market. Word on the street is Paul Krishnamurti's got a little special he wants to raise our attention to. Okay, now you like you know I like a big price, a bit of fun. 50 to 1 on a triple century being scored in the series. We're saying that Labashane could be the new Steve Smith. Why not? Okay, I was thinking Johnny Bairstow myself. Right, best bet still to come. Next, we're going to tell you what is going to happen in Brisbane in the early hours of Wednesday morning. Australia versus England, the first test from the Gabba, very late Tuesday night or very early Wednesday morning, depending on your preference. It's midnight. Bet for exchange prices, 2.16 Australia, 4.8 England, 2.96 the draw. Ed Hawkins, um, lineups, please. Yeah, your reminder for Australia, because they've already picked their team and England's lineup based up on our early discussion on this 
Pard, Australia, Warner, Harris, Labuschagne, Smith, Head, Green, Carey, Cummins, Stark, Hazelwood, Lyon, England, Burns, Crawley, Milan, Root, Stokes, Bairstow, Butler, Broad, Wood, Anderson and Leach. What else have we got for you? The Gabba pitch. How does it fare? Well, it's a different pitch for Australia and it's a different pitch for their opposition. Last five test matches, Australia in their first match innings averaged 405. The opposition averaged 233. There's rain around 80% minimum chance of rain on the first three days. I think my take is two things. Man for man, let's try to block out all the noise. Man for man, Australia are a better team. The only thing you've got to worry about is, is it a leveller? Is the pitch a leveller? Is the rain a leveller? I'm inclined to ignore that at this stage. I'm also quite keen on under 280.5 first innings runs for England because they come in undercooked, cold, whatever you want to call it, because their preparation has been very poor through no fault of their own. OK, um, lots to pick through. Let's start with that man-for-man man idea. Richard Mann, where do you stand on that? Well, I mean, I, I touched on it earlier on, didn't I? I think first 11, Australia are, are stronger for these conditions. You could argue with different conditions as well. Um, and that that obviously is going to make things tough for England at the Gabba. But the leveller is the pick. If it's green and it does a bit and there's some rain around, this is when England come into their own. Anderson, Broad or Robinson, whichever way they've got. There's no one better than, than Anderson and, and that attack as a backup. So... It gives England a chance, whereas usually you come here and it's fast and it's hard and it's flat and Australia just blow England away with pace. England might have a chance with with, with swing this time. Paul, can England compete to get your favourite test bet going here then, doubling the prices? Absolutely. It's a, it's a great system. It has an extraordinary return in test cricket, full stop, and it's particularly good when there's rain involved. So just to clarify the system, it's double the pre-toss odds. So let's say that Australia go off at 2.1, then the double those odds is 3.2, you add another 1.1, okay? And do the same for England. Uh, as I say, that is it's extraordinarily good when there's rain involved. And if we think about, say, the England price, if England drift, if England are the first team to double, their odds and there's every chance that happens because they just lose the toss in the last Indian New Zealand two matches the first half of first to the side of doubling has been happening within 10 minutes of the match starting um, so you even if England do our first thing with drifts you've just got a cheap bet on England at like you know 8, 10 to 1 or whatever um, but with the rain the market goes crazy basically if if there is an 80% chance of rain on the first day there's every chance Australia that both teams will drift there immediately and then you're just hoping that when they come back on you get a spate of wickets because overcast conditions Thanks Paul staying with you quickly um, anything on innings runs before I move you on to the specials? Yeah um, Ed mentioned 280.5 I think that's about right for England will start definitely go under there Absolutely, go under 250, under 225, maybe at 1.4. Lovely stuff, Richard Mann. Yeah, I suppose they obviously want to see, see conditions, but I do think England are liable to lose early wickets um, with that opening pair. And I think actually their most productive area could easily be far down to number seven, maybe number eight, Ollie Robinson, Mark Wood, give some beef to the tail. Um, so if you're going to bet England overs, don't do it at the start. Just wait until they lose some early wickets. And, and then when the line readjusts, that's when you want to be playing overs. Okay, good stuff. Ed Hawkins has the value picks on top Australia bat and bowler now. 
Yeah, Smith has five wins in 13. Uh, interestingly, four of those were against England in 2019. He's got a 38% Win rate has been boosted to three to one, which is 25% with Betfair Sportsbook. Labashane is his big rival, five wins from 16, but it's giving us 6% on your top bats. Mitchell Stark is your standout, surprisingly, for Australia on your win rates. Five wins in 16, he's three to one. Hazelwood has four wins and a tie in 15, he's five to two. Cummins, four wins in 20, two ties, nine to four. Okay, um, Paul Krishnamurti. I think both of those Australian favourites, Smith and Labashane, are good prices, but that's not really my kind of bet back in favourites in top bat. I would prefer to look at Labashane and Hazelwood in man of the match, 7-1 to and 12-1. to Okay, Richard Mann, who do you like? Well, I'm all, I'm all over Labashane here. Um, and actually, for the series, I, I obviously like Cummings, I've mentioned that already, but I think here... With the, with the prospect of a, a tinge of green on the surface, I think this is where Hazelwood are really coming to his own. Could be a real threat. And I think early in series, actually, is the time to catch Hazelwood as well. Cummings will just keep going and keep picking up twos and threefers because he's so fit, brilliant athlete. But I think Hazelwood, when he's primed, is so dangerous. So I'm with Paul. I think him in the man of the match market, um, he could be in for a real big day. A big game, sorry. Oh, thank you, Richard. Um, Ed Hawkins, win rates for England bat and bowlers, please. Yeah, rather surprisingly, Burns gives us a 1.4% edge at 5-1. to one. He top-scored three times against Australia in 2019. Root has seven wins in 32. That's 21.8%. He's 13-8. to eight. He should be closer to 38% win rate at those numbers. Stokes, 5-22, in 22, so 7-2, no good. And your crazy, crazy price alert, Pope, five wins in 18. He's 8-1. to one. Please, God, let him play. Please, God, indeed. Um... Paul Krishnamurti, who do you fancy? Rory Burns, 5-1. to one. I think that's a good price. He's, he did well against the Australians over here. Uh, he's a gutsy opener. 5-1 uh, to one's a big price. That's one word for him. Uh, Richard Mann. If Port plays, I, you know, I'm a massive fan, but I think in these conditions, don't underestimate that Dawid Malani was England's best batter four years ago, and I think he'll have another good series. Okay, before we go to the best bets, anything else that you guys have on your mind? Yeah, we, we said to Josh Hazelwood, we agree Josh Hazelwood, well, the bet here is the player performance. You can get five to six on him getting over 89.5 points, which is 20 for a wicket, 10 for a catch, one for a run. So four wickets and 10 runs or a catch will get you there. Uh, he's got six wickets on his last two appearances here. One of the games they lost. He's been in great form in, in T20 cricket. I think that's a cracking bet. Okay, Richard Mann. With less confidence, I'd probably shook Anderson into a into a split stakes man of the match bet, to be honest. I think Hazelwood is the better option because Australia are obviously favourites to win the match. But if it, if it was so rain-affected that it was a draw, this award still got to be handed out. Anderson, you have to think he's going to bowl well in these conditions this week. Okay, thank you very much, guys. Coming up next, the best bets. Best bets time, as always, it's our glamorous assistant Edward Hawkins with the scores and some doors. Mm, lovely. 28.8. That is our running total. Paul is out in the lead on 29. Richard is minus 0.2. Do not panic, Richard. It's all going to come good. And I think we're starting with Paul Krishnamurti this week. You've got five points. How are you going to spend them? Four points on Josh Hazelwood to get over 89.5 points player performance. 
Now coming, I'm going to have a two a two point double on Pat Cummins, uh, top Australia series bowler, and Manus Labashin, top Australia series bat. And I'll have one point on Manus Labashin, man of the match in the first test, seven to one. So I'm going to split stakes in the man of the match market for the first test, a point on James Anderson and a point on Josh Hazelwood. And then to finish off, I'm going to have a point on Dawid Milan, top England series batsman. There you go then, ready to burn for the ashes. Don't forget to check out betting.betfair. We've got plenty more analysis on their series preview, Australian squad breakdown. And also for your first test, we've got In Play Magic, a report on how the game has gone and how it's going to go for each of the five days that they play in Brisbane. See you next time. <laughs>